So main card Tiz is officially out, episode one, changing the formula. And um, shout out to Jim for that. And uh, it's doing like pretty well so far. If you haven't seen it already, definitely watch it. We'll put the link in the description, obviously. And uh, you were training today, so how, how was that going? That was, I know it was like a shorter one today, but... Yeah, just just some more, you know, vest work and all that, pretty How's much. That? How'd that go? The cardio getting better at that? For those of you guys who don't know, because in the video, obviously, it's like cut up, but Tiz was doing many more rounds on that than he's fighting. So <laughs> you're definitely getting some cardio in there, dude. Yeah, we, I mean, we did like pretty much like two different, you know, sessions of three rounds. That's cool. That's yeah. a good way to do it then. But. So we did three rounds and then took like a, like a, you know, like a pretty long break and then did three more That's and that fun. was it. That's good though. Keep working, dude. Obviously, I think this is going to be a rough night for your opponent, but we'll see what happens. You keep putting in the work though. It's just going to keep reflecting in the better results. So obviously, like I said, episode one of Main Card Tiz is out now. Check it out. We'll put the link in the description. Yep. And that will just get into some other stuff that's happening in MMA. And in the UFC in particular, there is a lot happening. And part, and I'm going to start with this because part of me thinks that the main reason why they're like announcing all these things right now is to take away from what Dana White fucking did. <laughs> so I think like we just, I didn't feel right just talking about all these crazy things and just being like another one of these people who's just going to like let this go. Because, like, it's amazing how many fans still are like, yeah, let it go. It's not a big deal. I'm like, the guy hit his wife. Like, <laughs> for anybody who doesn't think this is a big deal, like, I I can't even understand that. And, like, I think about it, too, like, in terms of other sports. Like, if if you saw, like, a report or a, or a video even, because this was a video, so it's not even a report. You saw a video of, like, Roger Goodell or Adam Silver or somebody hitting their wife. Dude, they'd lose their job. Like, <laughs> you know, how they'd be talking about that every single day. And this, it's like, it's amazing how every company really just wants to like sweep this under the rug and like ESPN, I don't know, they're kind of like improving with it a little bit. At least First Take was talking about it a little bit more now, probably because they got so much backlash on the soft ass thing that they said about them in the first place. Endeavor still hasn't commented. Like we already talked about TMZ obviously, but then TBS too, like dude, pushing that power slap shit like a week back, like as if that's like a pro, like... <laughs> you, and dude you know what Endeavor probably said to them yeah so in about a week the UFC is going to be back again and they're going to be talking about fights so just push it back another week so then the cycle <laughs> is pushed past Dana White and then the power slap isn't as big of a deal anymore but it's so ridiculous and I look at the comments and stuff and people are still making jokes about it so people still or they aren't stupid enough to just forget yeah. what happened but it, it just bothers me man because like these big companies like you know everybody acts so righteous nowadays but, like, when something affects their wallets, they're not so righteous anymore. And that's always been, like, my big thing. That's why I don't get into politics because I think it's all bullshit. But um, even, like, with this, though, like, TBS, like I said, pushing it back, like, a week as if that's, like, the end-all, be-all. And just, I don't know. What it, like what do you think just about, I guess, because I shouldn't say lack of coverage because there's definitely people talking about it. Like I, like I said, first take, they talked about it. DC and RC kind of uh, – Ariel, oh, all right. Ariel's been banging the drum, as as we know, 
And uh, I understand that because, you know, Ariel and Dana aren't, don't have the best relationship, so he's having a field day with this. But Ariel insists that it's not because of that. And I kind of believe him, kind of don't. <laughs> but at the same time, what do you think of all this and how this has kind of taken place, I guess, in the past couple of weeks? Uh, I, I, mean, I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard. It's pretty hard to disagree with you, you know. Like, you know, I don't – I mean, no one – like, if people – if if so many people are like you know so like fixated on like oh you know it's not it's really not that big of a deal like just move on or whatever then you know then why are you so concerned about people you know that do actually care and like want to like you know like hammer the point that it's a you know it's a big deal like it's a problem and you know some repercussions should come from it uh it's like you know, like if you're if you're that if you're that person, then like why are you even giving it attention? Because you're still giving it attention by saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal, just move on or whatever. In that case, just like just do, unfollow Ariel Hawani yeah. <laughs> or us in that case, yeah. I guess. But don't don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> no, but yeah, just you know. Just do what, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing then. And just like, yeah, it's like, it's like whatever. Then that's just, that's what doesn't make sense. And just more of like, you know, MMA fans contradicting themselves and backing themselves into a corner. Yeah. Well, cause they're the same people like who, um, when like people talk about like not liking, like, I don't know, like Joe Rogan or a stand up comic, they're the same people who, if you don't like it, just shut it off. Well, you guys could just do the same <laughs> yeah, thing. I like, take your own advice. Yeah. And just, and obviously, I, I think Joe Rogan's cool. I was just, I, you know, I was just watching um, him with Shane Gillis and Matt McCuster. I think I've told you about Matt and Shane's secret podcast, but shout out to them. They're cool. But um, I was watching that today. So I like Joe Rogan, but just making that point though like it's just funny how people like you said they're very hypocritical in a way because they don't take their own advice and then like beside that you kind of go to you know dana came out and talked to the media in the beginning of the week i think it was on media day for for this card and i won't say like because i do respect the fact that like he did that like i think that's awesome because you know you're not shying away from it you're taking it on the chin but at the same time like some dude, some of these reporters, they're killing me because they'll they'll ask him about like their his punishment and like what his punishment should be, and they they ask him and Dane is like the type of person he's gonna deflect and say, well, what do you think? Because all these like report, not all of them, but some of those reporters, they just don't have an answer well, or they're yeah, just not they're... man enough to just go well, at it. Well, yeah, I think they're just puppets for Dana. You know, Dana's just up the top and like, you know doing whatever he wants with them like he just you know he know like that's why he, so he gets it in that sense that he knows that they're not you know they're not gonna yeah they, yeah they, he get yeah but he, he got the one guy that. asking him about the punishment or whatever and, and then like he said like what do you want like 30 60 days like like for like the guy who is in trouble should not be talking about what his punishment should be and like <laughs> then he asked them like well, what do you think it should be and then the reporters were like uh uh uh, yeah. and like then he's like, uh, like he just comes right back at them so it's just stupid like why would you ask the question if you didn't have an idea in your head like it's, it just doesn't make any sense to me but I don't know I think it's just because but let me say this though too at the same time like I don't know if I don't know if Ariel like I'm pretty sure he's allowed like to go to UFC events like I'm pretty sure after that whole Brock Lesnar thing like they gave him like his credentials back I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure I'm not like all these people who do have a problem with it though and they're talking about it like on their like state or station on their podcasts and stuff 
why don't they go to and ask him questions if they're so concerned about it? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, obviously, like, me and you like Ariel Helwani a lot. And, like, I talk about, like, other MMA journals that I like. And some of them are talking about this situation and how much, how bad it is. If it's so bad, why don't you go there and ask the questions if you think the MMA media that's there isn't doing the job? Like, you know, dude, I would want to go. Like, we, we don't have passes. Like, you know, me and you were just sitting <laughs> yeah. here in the kitchen. Like, I, bus, like we don't have media passes. passes. But, like, I don't understand that. Like, maybe maybe I'm wrong, though. Maybe it is, like, a select few people, like, who get the passes. And I, and if it is, I apologize. <laughs> but if that's not the case, like, maybe some other people should come in and really ask the question and think it out before you go there. Because <laughs> it seems like these guys are just asking the question because it needs to be asked. And then when Dana, like, comes at them and it kind of, like, is combative about it, they're like, uh, uh, yeah. sorry. He's so, like, yeah, it's like he's controlling them. Like mind, like mind games or whatever. Yeah. And it's really not that like it's really not that like deep or complicated either in terms of, like mind games. Like, like it's simple. He's just kind of alpha. Yeah, them. like that's really <laughs> what it is. Yeah, it's simple. You come, you come prepared and ready to you know ask, not care. Like whatever he says is what he says. Like that you know back to like the whole when uh, we were talking about uh, Patty Pimblet and, and Ariel. I wanted like you know you gotta have like. For a job like that, you gotta have thick skin to to, to a degree. Yeah, man, and, and I don't know. It's just it's just so weird to me because like I think about it in any other sport. Like I said, any sort of domestic dispute would be all over ESPN, all the networks, and like in this case, it's just not. And um, I just don't understand that because if you're gonna like if you're gonna put someone else like through through the ringer because of this then you should put everybody through the ringer like that like and there's so much hypocrisy in sports about all that and I, I just I don't know Another I don't even thing. know really where to go with it it's because I think this is probably gonna this story's gonna die out at some point and you know it obviously that happens but at the same time like I said if this is anybody else we'd be hearing about this for the next month until something happened so. Yeah, uh, Twitter has a feature where you can like you can mute words that you don't want to like. If, so like if it's something like this, for instance, like they could literally just type. You could literally just type in Dana White, and you won't see like his name anymore in your Twitter in your Twitter that's, feed. Dude, so it's like, like I I, I kind of like that. I kind of don't. But it's kind of <laughs> all right. Whatever. Yeah, but it's an I mean, interesting feature. Yeah, I don't. I don't. You know, I don't. Nothing really like bothers me to that degree to like yeah. go and do that. But like clearly, you gotta like, be a little sensitive. Yeah, you ask kind of my point. <laughs> yeah, like if some that's what I'm trying to say. If someone truly like didn't care about the situation anymore and like they were tired of seeing it, then you just something. Like, you commenting or whatever, and then, like, your comment out of a thousand, of you know, hundred thousands of comments, however much it is, like, your one comment is not going to make this huge difference and change everybody's mind. And, yeah. like, oh, you just commented this, now, okay, well, now it's over, now everyone's forgotten about it, and, yeah, like, you just change, like, no, that doesn't happen. Like, yeah, it's, like, not in the real world, like, in... I think about it and I'm not like comparing Dana White to like a legitimate like actual criminal but like you think about even in like the justice system like let's say somebody just and I think Ariel kind of said this too I'm pretty sure but you know like someone kills someone or something you, the judge doesn't say what do you think the punishment should be <laughs> like that's not how it works and like that's for any crime even like shoplifting if you want to go there with it or domestic violence. <laughs> the judge isn't asking the husband who beat his wife, what do you think of, what do you think you should get, like, in jail or something? But, like, 
it's not like Dana's going to be going to prison or anything, obviously, but, and neither, I mean, probably neither should he, because obviously his wife is kind of like forgiving him publicly and stuff like that, but it's just, I just don't like how Dana like keeps kind of putting it as like, oh, this is a personal thing, this is a personal thing, but yeah, you're a public figure, like, that's not how this works, like, this isn't, that's not how the world works, like, you can't do something in a public setting or a public forum, and then it gets like out there, and you, like, you all, you just say, oh, well, Nothing matters besides the personal point of it. Like, I get what he means, but it's not... You can't just not deal with it and not face any repercussions from, like, your job. But I don't expect anything to come of it. And that's kind of screwed up, in my opinion. But, like, at the same time, all we can really do is, like, talk about, like, the things that pop up with it if they do. I mean, the only thing that's really popped up in the past week is that... I think it was, like... Uh, let me read it so I don't get it wrong. The California Legislative Women's Caucus, they called for him to be fired. They sent, like, a whole thing to Endeavor, and that's not going to happen, sadly, sadly for them. But I get, the, like, saying that. You know, some people are some people don't want to hear about it at all. Some people are really outraged by this, and some people are kind of, like, in the middle. And it sucks. Like, I'm kind of in a spot, like, where it does kind of piss me off that, like, he's kind of just getting away with this, like, and nothing's going to happen, and it's just going to keep going. But at the same time, I'm like a realist and I know that like the odds are there's nothing probably will happen. And what am I going to do? Like cry in the microphone all year? Like it's just you can only talk about it really when it comes up. And like there's still been some news about it. And obviously Ariel will be beating the drum about it for probably a little bit. So hopefully it doesn't go away too easily. Yeah, I don't I mean, I don't think he nor should he hear the end of it. But um, who even... Who even, like, knows anymore? Like, he's still gonna, you know, post and, you know, he's still gonna post. Dude, he did fuck it Friday, like, a week yeah. after it happened. He I was like, like, this, that's bold. <laughs> I saw it, he got, like, 600 replies. And all of yeah, them were related them were to, this food slaps, that's what they were saying. I was like, oh, God, Dana. And, like, he's posing with, like, Steve will do it at the casino with, like, bands of money. I'm like, this guy, man. He's the best promoter of all time. Like, let's just be clear about that. But as a person, it's kind of hard to have some respect for him. Like, I respect his business acumen. I think he's the best at what he does. But, you know, with all the stuff that, like, you hear about him. And, like, I'm sure he treats people, like, with respect and stuff. Well, maybe not in this one case. But in general, like, you know, the stuff that happens with fighters. And then you got, like, now this. It's just... I don't know, man. It's just a weird spot. Like, him as a person, it's not the same as him as a promoter, I would say that, at the least. So, I guess with that, though, we'll kind of move on from it, because you can only really talk about it so much. But the next thing I wanted to talk about, and this is another thing that's kind of been swept under the rug somehow, but ESPN released, like, a huge article about James Krause and what he's pretty much being accused of doing, and now we have more... You know, me and you, we talked about it and we were talking about maybe like, oh, what he did for this fight, man, it is way worse. (laughs) There's like multiple sources talking to ESPN and basically in short, what they're accusing him of is of being an agent for an (laughs) offshore sports book that's based in Costa Rica. And for anybody who doesn't know, an agent is kind of like for like a sports book in another country is kind of like they're like a middleman in a way like they work for that sports book and they try to get people in the u.s to be on it and like he's kind of just the middleman like he, he takes like the login he gives them login information credit and stuff like that and he even offered i they, in the article so they offered kickbacks for referrals so like he would give you money like towards your account like if you would refer like it's wild <laughs> how deep this goes if true i mean obviously like i'm 
Many people aren't, but it, I'm still of the belief that it's innocent until proven guilty. But it's not looking good for him. I'm going to say that. So, and I'm sure they're like, like I said, I don't think the Nevada State Athletic Commission would have suspended him if it, like for nothing. Like that's like a big deal. And the UFC's banning him from like well, my, coaching. So, I mean, my question is like, besides outside of you know, obviously making you know a lot of money doing this more than probably anything else he does. That's, you know? He said that yeah. verbatim yeah. on Ariel. So, that's, <laughs> so that's a undoubtedly quote. more than anything else he does. Yeah. Why? Like, you know, Not anymore. why in the, why? Yeah. Why in the way that he does it? And then why like him, for instance, like a, a former, a former fighter himself. And now one of the best coaches. And now it's know. ruined. Yeah. For, even if like he somehow is like proven in well, then again, because in MMA, it's not really that type of community. With like, it, you would think just off those two things alone, like, he already has, like, just a built-in advantage, like, you know. Yeah. Like, as long as you, like, at the end of the day, like, okay, so when we're doing the sports book and all, like, I kind of made, like, made sure to hammer this point home that, like, value is the name of the game. So, it's all about the numbers, obviously, when it comes to betting. So, literally, but, like, you know, this is, like, with a sport like MMA, for instance, like, you know, it's like you know you don't just like numbers and all that like they matter they obviously matter a whole lot but like then the day like it's one-on-one like you know it could, anything like could happen like with team sports and obviously like correlation and all that like that's a lot more to like easier to like dive in with like the numbers and all that and then you know stats or whatever mma like you know you don't you have no idea how any fight is actually going to play out like mm-hmm. you can only make you know all you, have, all you have is, like, you know, the built-in, like, knowledge already that, you know, you can apply to what you're, you know, what you're betting on. So, like, like just from that alone, like, you would think, like, all right, like, he would be, like, as long as he gets, like, you know, he understands, like, you know, the basics and all, like, the fundamentals, I guess, of, like, just how sports betting in general works, then, like... He should do pretty well anyways. As, hey, you man, know. if you're an agent for an offshore sports book, I'd say he more than understands the rules. <laughs> it's crazy. Exactly. But now that's what I'm asking. Like, how, how does it get to that point? I don't know. I mean, he's he obviously he has, like, his um his MMA, like, betting club. I think it's called, like, the 1% club or something like that. Yeah, the 1% club. And uh, yeah, so you pay how, to be yeah, in it. And this... he says there's some high rollers in there, too, like, that are betting real money. So, like... And they're paying him too sometimes to like take over their accounts and bet for oh. it's like this is a whole big thing. And then even like you were talking about like the built in advantage of it, even Jeff Molina, who's like a UFC flyweight, who I think got suspended because of this too, he said and I'll read just the the article like uh, Yeah, paragraph. like there's these people some of these guys are still involved with the UFC themselves. Yeah, well <laughs> Molina's suspended according to the article, but he said and this is a quote He's trained with a lot of fighters, talking about James Krause, he's trained with a lot of fighters, lives and breathes this sport as a coach slash fighter, and at times has the scoop on injuries, non-announced matchups, how fighters look in camp, etc. Mo- Molina wrote in touting the club, uh, in stocks, this is called insider trading. In MMA, <laughs> in MMA betting, this is called James Krause. <laughs> That's quite a quote right there. And then the rest of it, he said, over the last six months, all my oh. bills, including mortgage and car, have been paid by via uh, Kraus picks. <laughs> Do yourself a favor and join the VIP. But like, so in that one paragraph, you got him telling, uh, J- James Kraus telling people about the scoop on injuries, non-ounce matchups, fighters in camp. 
that's legitimate insider information. Like, hey, this guy's not really looking good so far. He got hurt yeah, in sparring. Now, but then he literally compared it to insider trading. Like, how? Oh my god, man, this yeah, has turned now, into a yeah, big now problem. It's, now it's like now it's make now it's coming together as to like okay because he's because he works with some of these guys because he he's a former fighter himself. All right, now he's gonna use it as you know a like, way to make money. Yeah, like, a way to make a bunch of fucking money, and. Like, what did it say in that article that you know, even his own, like, I mean, obviously the Derek Minner, like, you know, he already knew about the injury, so of course he's going to, you know, yeah, bet and on the other. I don't know if you saw this when you were reading it, but he, uh, he talked to ESPN, like the writer of the article, and he was telling them about, like, how, like, obviously, like, he had a minor knee injury coming in, and it was obviously aggravated yeah. during the fight, <laughs> but then when they asked him if Krause had been doing what he's being accused of with this offshore betting stuff... He declined to comment and promptly ended the call, said, I'm going to, like, you know, just talk to my attorney and just want to point this out. We've talked about fighter pay many times. These fighters are not getting paid enough money to keep an attorney on retainer most of the time. Maybe, like, their management, but I don't know. It's, then again, if if they're any bit involved in what Krauss is doing, they might be making a lot of money and enough to have an attorney, but th yeah. they said in the article that no, he never provided an attorney and an attorney never reached out. So that just makes me believe that he was just trying to get off the phone call and just like probably panicked. But who knows, honestly, like anything could really yeah, happen with this. That's, 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 that's just, yeah, that's insider trading if I've ever heard it. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm trying to read. Okay. So, and <laughs> UFC, or, oh <laughs> UFC, God. US residents, not UFC residents. U.S. residents who have worked as agents for offshore sports books have been charged with crimes such as tax evasion, operating an illegal sports betting organization, and money laundering. And the Department of Justice has accused offshore sports books that serve U.S. bettors of violating the Wire Act, which is federal statute that prohibits those, quote, engaged in the business of betting, end quote, from knowingly transmitting wagering information across state lines. So not a lot of things you want to be involved with, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know, if James Krause is charged with any of those things, like that's like that's time in like prison. I'm pretty sure. So, this goes above the UFC at this point. Like this is definitely the worst betting scandal in UFC history. I mean, maybe if all like this is, true. this is also like you know part of like why he's the coach he is and like he thinks the way he does. Like he just in a way he just like you know that better that better and that better inside of him just like okay like you know thinking about like okay the absolute like. You know the most the absolute most like optimal outcome of like whatever fight whatever situation and around or whatever it might be or just like you know yeah just like you know probably not yeah obviously not thinking as much of what could go wrong for obviously the guy he's betting on but like you know like obviously like he understands that too and so like maybe has to like pivot or whatever and... it's just that inside information bothers me man like you know about how these like you could tell these people and this is a lot of people betting a lot of money that a fighter maybe got hurt in sparring or he tweaked something doing jujitsu. Yeah, like that's a big deal that could change lines. Like, and then obviously in the fight that all this came out about Derek Minner came in with a knee injury and he knew that. <laughs> so like you, you got to wonder like how long this has been going on, like what he's really being accused of is just kind of well, crazy. Yeah, it's pretty hard to like, you know, I get, you know, obviously, yeah, like, the money at the end of the day, but it also is, like, you know, like, this is a former fighter, and then one of the best coaches, it's kind of, like, hard to just imagine, like, he would just, you know, 
stain like the integrity of the sport like that yeah this is really really bad no matter what happens with it and like you said it's a big stain on the integrity of the sport and james krause's career definitely in coaching in the ufc is probably over especially if this is true and you know this is obviously and it sucks too because James Krause is, like, known as, like, the father of, like, MMA in, like, Kansas City, pretty much. Like, he started the movement there, pretty much. And he's the head coach of that gym. And yeah, it's, it's just... Yeah, it's, it's wild. It like, really is. Yeah, it is wild. Like, you know, once again, I, 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 you know, I get it. Like, okay, you know, taking your passion, like, what you're, you know, obviously what you're really good at, and then combining it with something else to make, you know, even more money doing it. Like, I get it in that sense, but... You shouldn't break the law while yeah, doing you it. Should like, that's exactly. I feel yeah. like because he's a very smart dude, so you definitely had to know that this was like sketchy. Like I don't think that anybody of his yeah, intelligence level would think that this is absolutely legal. Extreme. Yeah, it's funny too that like, I met I met him in Vegas. I'm pretty sure. I, yeah. Obviously, you know about yeah. this, but like, <laughs> it's funny too. I don't know if I've ever told this story on the pod, but I might as well tell it again because if I didn't, if if I did, it was probably a while ago. So. Obviously, I met him, like, at the same time as Brandon Moreno and, like, Cheeto Vera. And, you know, obviously, me and him talk betting strategies. No, <laughs> no that didn't happen. But um, we, I, it was funny. Like, in, like, 2019, he was in, like, a quintet ultra, like, grappling thing on Fight Pass. And he hit King Mo Law with, like, a nice guillotine, like, while Mo Law st- was standing. And, yeah. like, Krause just latched onto his neck. It was wild. And I always said, like, if I ever had a chance to meet him, I'm going to tell him how sick that was. Because I bet he never hears about it. And, like, obviously, like, a year later, I end up going to Vegas. And I meet him. I'm like, no way I'm going to be able to tell James Krause this. And I actually got to tell him. It was dope. He's cool. And, like, you know, obviously, we're talking about the news as it's given to us here. But, like... You know, my personal experience, like, meeting him, really cool dude. Like, one of the nicest people ever. Like, he was taught, I got to, like, obviously tell him about that jujitsu match. And he, you could tell he was, like, hyped to hear that. Like, I knew what that was. And, like, he was telling me a little bit about it. So, like, I have nothing, like, but positivity to say in terms of, like, my personal interaction with James Krause. But in terms of what these sources are saying on ESPN, he might be in some really, really deep shit. And, you know, we'll see what happens with it. But there's some other news that we can get into before the uh, before the UFC card. Obviously, Edwards versus Usman three is official for UFC 286 in London, along with Gaethje versus Fazeev. Those are two crazy fights. But then the biggest bomb drops like right before that. Um, Francis Ngannou. I'm I don't want to say releases because I feel like it was mutual. Like the way that Dana kind of phrased it was kind of like a bitch move to me because he was oh, kind yeah. of putting well, it like yeah you obviously like no like how what he was what he was taught what he you know what yeah. it was about and what he was trying to like yeah he was trying to dance around like okay like we all know why he, you know francis is actually leaving but daniel's obviously not going to mention about you know money and all that kind of did but he's put it in a way that was very general and i thought it was pretty smart but just kind of shitty by him he said well we offered to make him the highest paid heavyweight in the company and we've talked about fighter pay like more than Brock Lesnar I don't know how much Brock Lesnar was getting paid I'm sure like he got he, Francis definitely got offered a nice hunk of change there's no doubt but compared to what he could make in a boxing match or really anywhere else I don't like I understand why he took it but the way the thing that pissed me off about what Dana said yeah, is he's he like was, yeah he's trying to fight he's, lesser competition yeah, he's trying to make it seem like he's 
the fray to John Jones. Yeah. And then, like, I thought about it literally, though. Like, he said, oh, well, he wants to fight lesser competition. Everybody's lesser competition than John Jones. He's one of the greatest fighters of all time. Even if he was fighting, like, Stipe, it's lesser competition than John Jones. Like, John Jones is one of the best ever, if not the best ever. In my opinion, he beat Surreal Gone for, and, you know, obviously that's the next bit. He, him and Surreal Gone got booked for the heavyweight title now at UFC 285. John Jones beats him, dude. He's the GOAT. I'm sorry. Like, I have GSP right now. But if John Jones can come back after being out as long as he's been out and beat Surreal Gone, which I think he's definitely gonna. I really do. I will never pick against John Jones until I see him lose. And plus in this fight, I just think that, like, Gone's a great striker, but John Jones is going to take him out, take his ass down. Like, <laughs> it's going to be ugly in there, I think. But then Gano, too, like, he's pretty much going out on top. No one beat him for the title, so... True. Like, you know... Vacated it. You know, yeah, like... They people... said stripped, but it's how's it stripped when you mutually agree to leave? Like, he's leaving the belt. Like, I think <laughs> it goes without saying that. One way or another, like, Francis Ngano leaves the UFC as one of the most feared heavyweights ever. Yeah, man. And, like, I'm grateful for the time that he was in the UFC, man, because some of my greatest, like, memories of knockouts, dude, have been at the hands of that, man. I mean, you think about his knockout of Alistair Overeem, dude. The back of Overeem's head almost touched his back. That's how hard yeah. he got hit with that one punch. And his, ugh, God, man, like, do you think of the Stipe knockout? He just folded him. Rosen struck in, like, 20 seconds. Knocked out Cain Velasquez. Knocked out, like, all these I great think, fighters. I think he's going to, I think he would make a pretty, like, you know, a pretty all right, like, you know, uh, I guess little career out of boxing, too. Honestly. Me, too. You know? I think he could do it. Like, you could see, like, at least, like, in the, these, you know, these last fights of his UFC career, can, you know, you could kind of see, like, he's trying, you know, that uh, that boxing, like, he's, like, just suddenly just gotten better and better. So, I don't know. We'll see how he applies it to an actual boxing ring and an actual boxing match. But I'm here for it. Yeah. And Ganu's head coach, obviously we were talking about it before the pod, but he sent us a nice little DM on the uh, on the Instagram because I said yeah, I said he's one of the best coaches in the game, which he is. And Eric Nixick is the man, and he had a good night, honestly, on the UFC card too. Obviously, having the winners of the main and co-main event, and I think we could kind of get right into that now. But um, Sean Strickland, on very short notice, I think like what five days, he uh, yeah he fought Nasruddin Imovov, who I'm pretty back high to on. Back. But, Fight night main event. I know. I thought that was so badass, honestly. Just the fact that... The, and, like, I love the promo, too. Like, he says, like, yeah, like, you know, you don't want to fight, but sometimes you just got to get in there and do it. I'm like, that's such a badass way to think about it. And, obviously, they paid him a good chunk of change to do it. But it's yeah, just... It's awesome. Scum. He's awesome, Sean. I think it goes to show, too, like, how, you know, some of these fights get announced so, like, early, you know, on at a point from when it's actually going to happen. It's like, is it really necessary? Yeah, I saw Gastelum's mouth injury too because he posted something about it. Like, Even my brutal. fight, honestly, <laughs> for instance, like, damn, like March feels like so long from now. Like I'm, man, I feel like I'm ready to get in there in like a week or two. But gotta keep I, going. But yeah, like I mean, yeah, like I got the end of the day, like promotions gotta promote and profit and all that. Get as much attention as possible. You get it, but you know, you put yourself in the fighter's shoes. It's like you know. All the, you know, not even, like, downtime, but, like, you know, there's bound to be some downtime with, with some, you know, sometimes of how early these fights get announced and from when they actually happen. 
So, you know, do they really need that much time? Probably not, but... I like how Strickland for this fight said that his his camp consisted of, like, snowboarding and just, like, doing fun shit. I don't like that's kind of funny. And he won, too, so it was a pretty good camp. He, obviously, I think Strickland is... I think you could make the argument that he has the best jab in the promotion because just by how effectively he uses it. And the thing that I liked about this fight and part of the reason why I was giving some praise to Eric Nixick is because his game plan yeah. coming in was just yeah. amazing. Yeah, well, there you go. That, too, like, train... Every training camp doesn't need to be, like, hell, you know? Like, you can, like, sure, like, you're going to train differently maybe for certain guys, but, you know, like, you don't, you know, I guess, like, honestly, obviously, like, obviously, you know, other fights are going to mean more than others, so you're going to train, you know, differently for others, and, you know, fight, fight, like, yeah, there's always going to be context around a fight, so... You know, yeah, I guess you just take it with that context and, like, not every training camp you have to, like, go through absolute hell. I, mean, I, Sean, I disagree with that. <laughs> Very do? Yeah, I mean, this is just good luck. Like, I mean, he came in 10 pounds over him. Like, I, once I saw that, I was like, oh, shit. Because no. I already made my pick, too, like, a couple of days before that because I thought about it. Like, I was like, he involved, like, he's pretty good at, like, keeping it at kickboxing range and stuff like that. I mean, he can, like, pick people apart. And then I saw that Sean Strickland weighed 10 pounds more, and I was like, fuck me. Ugh. I put it on topology already, too. I was like, ah, damn it. I was like, but because once I saw that, I knew that there was going to be some grappling involved, and then there was. Because, like, that's kind of why I'm impressed. Because, like, Strickland just kind of imposed his will, like, completely. He, he Imovov was fighting his fight the whole time. Even when he was doing well and, like, landing counters, he was still on the back foot the whole time. So, I thought it was just a great win by Strickland. And, like, I get what you're saying, like, about the training camp. Like, I the way I think of what you're saying is, like, in a way, sometimes it's good to have, like, a really short-notice fight because you're not gonna, you know you're not really going to be hurt. Because, like, a lot of these guys, like, coming through a training camp, like, you're coming in with some sort of injury. But sometimes maybe if you're coming in, like, with a few days' notice, you just – you're kind of, like, I just guess more fresh, I would think. And Strickland obviously coming in more at his natural weight, too. It's, like, that's that was awesome for him. And he was able to just bully Imovov in the cage, just backing him up with that jab, combinations, nice yeah, teeps yeah. up the middle, put, putting him up against that the helps, cage and just beating yeah. him up, like – it was just great. And I thought Imovov, like, did well, too, just because, like, lasting in there and having, like, he had a pretty good fifth round, too, for, like, getting battered throughout the rest of the fight. But I don't know. I like Sean Strickland a lot. I'm just glad, like, he's not on a three-fight losing streak, and now he yeah. has won a fight. So that's pretty good. I liked what Strickland said after the fight, too. I don't know if you saw about – he was talking about Stefan Bonner. But uh, he kind of, like – some people were giving him shit because on Instagram he kind of posted something talking about how, like – Nobody was really there for him when he was alive, and now all of a sudden, like, now he's dead. Like, all of a sudden, people give a crap. And, like, that's with anything, obviously, if you really think about it. But at the same time, like, you know, some people gave him shit for that, but I really loved what he said after this fight because you could tell he's kind of coming from the right place. Like, I get what he means, even though it was kind of harshly worded. But um, he was talking about how after the fight, how, like, it kind of, like, messed him up. That obviously, he died, and he thinks that, it sucks that UFC fighters that are retired don't have any means like really of making money most of the time after their careers. And he thinks that the UFC should take care of those guys in some way, shape or form, at least with some sort of health care or anything. And I've said, we've been saying that since the beginning too. Even Jake Paul has been saying the thing about health care, but I just like that he said that too, because a lot of people kind of like branded him like insensitive for saying like <laughs> what he said and just the fact that he kind of clarified it and just gave his respect and, and called for something like that too, like helping fighters after they're retired. 
I respect that a lot. Like you could tell like his heart is in the right place, even though he strikes you as like an intense guy. That's yeah. for sure. So yeah. I like that a lot. But then you got the co-main event. Another guy I'm a big fan of, Danny Ige. He landed just the cleanest left hook on Damon Jackson and slapped him. That was pretty nice. But Jackson, like, really, the whole fight, he was just kind of keeping his head in the pocket. I don't know how much of it. Did you see, you saw this fight? Yeah, right? I, I did. He yeah. looked, you know, timid, you know? Like, yeah. just kind of, like, afraid to, to, to guy, I guess, like, throw and, you know... I don't, yeah, no, I don't really know. I think you he just straight outclassed him on the feet. Yeah. He didn't seem to commit to his strikes, really, like you were saying. Like, he just seemed like a little, I mean, I guess, I, who wouldn't be afraid when someone like who hits yeah. as hard as Danny Gay? But at the same time, you got to take some chances. But um, I just think that the main thing here is like if he would have just not kept his head in the pocket and put his hands up, he would have been fine. Well, not maybe not fine, but definitely wouldn't have been taking the damage that he was taking because you could see it at the end of the fight because he was bleeding on his whole left side. He was getting hit with hooks the whole time. And like pretty much right after the first few, I was like, this is just a matter of time at this point. And then obviously in, what was it? It was round two, right? He hit him with that hook and it was just folding him. Just folding him. And Danny Ige now, he's like back kind of in the upper echelon now, 145 with a win like that. Dan 50K Ige, that's one of my favorite nicknames in the sport, just because it flows so well off the tongue. But I don't know, like, I think about this sometimes, and I think Dan Ige is, like, a really good fighter. He's, like, he's kind of well-rounded. Like, he's got pretty good wrestling, but he's obviously more known for his boxing. But what would you think that, like, maybe his ceiling is in the UFC? Because obviously he believes wholeheartedly he will be champion one day, which I have obviously respect. And he has the potential, but... Man, know. yeah, it's it's really it's it's tough in that in that division, dude. Especially, you know, think of a guy like, you know, Calvin Cater who's injured right now, for instance, like when he comes back, that's obviously going to shake things up. And then, you know, obviously what's going on with at, at the very the very top with Volk and then Josh Emmett and all those guys um and then you got still have Holloway in there in the mix. Holloway. And then all these other guys out. You mentioned Ortega. Um, is there anybody? I feel like Arnold Allen. Yeah. yeah. No, I was forgetting somebody. And, like, that division, man, is just stacked at 145. And he can hang. You definitely hang with these guys, but. Hmm. I don't know. I just. They're not, I don't. None of these guys are going to allow themselves to get hit, you know, like the way Dan Jackson did, for instance. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've. It's it's tough because he's a good fighter, but he's in a really tough division. I'd definitely like to see him get the belt. It would pre- be pretty cool, like one of those like dark horse type things. And yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good spot to be in. You know, you're coming off yeah. a nice knockout win now, and I think that he. I don't know if he called anybody out honestly, but I know he definitely wants to get back back into that title picture fast. And the UFC kind of likes Danny guys, so I'm sure they'll put him in a nice fight yeah, next. Yeah. We'll... We'll see. Yeah, man. It's going to be tough. But... True. I mean, we'll see. It depends on who he's matched up with, I guess. But either way, every every fight in that division is tough. But then you keep going in the card. You know, obviously, uh, Roman Kapalov, TKO, Punahele Soriano. Just fucking brutal shots to the body, man. That was nasty. This and card had a lot of, you know, it was just a pretty, pretty damn good display of striking all yeah. throughout. I like this card a lot. Like, it, I, honestly, it was kind of slept on coming in. Like, I know last week we kind of talked about that it was pretty good, but 
like in watching it, like there were a lot of really good fights on here. And then only only fight that I didn't really like that much was the one before this, and it was Pennington versus Vieira, and which yeah. kind of sucked because that one had like title implications and. Raquel won by split decision. Spotty decision too, but like yeah, split like decisions one. fair, but mm. yeah. Some people I didn't like people calling it a robbery. I thought it was close, but I kind of agree with you. Like Vieira had like some back control. I just think the problem is when she was in the clinch, she just wasn't really doing much. Yeah, that's and, what, that's what'll do it to you. Yeah, I see people kind of saying that like Pennington should get like a title shot because of the win streak she's on, but like. I don't know if people remember when she fought Amanda Nunes at UFC 224. She quite literally was broken. Like, it was as bad. Like, that was as bad of a loss as I've ever seen. Nunes was just beating her down for the whole fight. And I think it was, I want to say it was in between the fourth and the fifth. She was in the corner and she just said, I'm done. So, again, they stopped the fight. Like, well, no, they didn't, they didn't stop the fight. She fought the fifth. Got beat up and then lost the decision. But she sat on the stool, I'm done. So, like, yeah. you're kind of resigning before the fight's over. And, like, so is that a rematch that people really want to see right now? No. Maybe if we get the trilogy with Nunez and Pena and Pena wins, maybe I'll take that. But I don't know, man. I'm not clamoring for a Nunez-Pennington, too, after the beatdown that happened in the first one. Because I think Nunez is only better now than she was back then. Because that's years ago at this point, but... Maybe that's a reason why she should get another shot, but who knows. Um, another good fighter, though, Umar Numagomedov, he just slept Aoni Barcelos, dude. That was kind of crazy. First guy to ever knock him out, by the way. I thought that was kind of wild. He wants to rise up in the ranks. He's calling everybody out. He's just, oh, yeah. everybody's, he says, yeah. everybody's afraid to fight me. And uh, with that showcase, yeah. I understand why. Yeah. yeah, the guy's a real deal, I think. Yeah. Is it just me, dude? Or. Because I'm kind of done with, like, the whole, like... Because they overanalyze, like, everything Habib does. They've been talking more about Habib stepping away from MMA than they've talked about Dana White slapping Dude, his wife. yeah, I'm just so, <laughs> like... Just, I, I forget what it was in particular. I don't... Mm. I think it I don't know if it was something about, you know, Habib and, you know, what his mom said to him and all. But, like, I just remember responding to it kind of along the lines of, like, you know... Unless is unless we're talking like obviously like fantasy matchups like hypotheticals and all that like stuff that's you know more than likely never going to happen like can we just like just let Habib like leave Habib alone yeah, just, just let, let him do the dude like who cares I don't like, even think because yeah I don't think he's hasn't he stepped away from coaching now too yeah that's that's my point like that's like what I'm saying and they're giving more coverage to that than they are Dana White and his wife that's what I'm saying like it's just so backwards to me like every account's posting that they're like. Breaking news. That's Habib stepping away that's from what, coaching. That's what, like, Bobby, you know, in, you know, when Habib initially retired, it was more like, you know, Dana White and, like, him. Like, it's like you get it from, like, Dana White's uh, perspective, obviously. Like, the freaking, the head of the promotion that Habib fought for. So, like, yeah, you're going to, you know, you're going to try it. You're like, you're going to, you know, any, like, subtle subtlety or anything you can say to, like, maybe, you know. Get uh, back. Yeah, or <laughs> like. Convince him to come back, like you'll do it. But even Dana White's, like, you know, at this dropped point, it. Yeah, over. like, yeah. I, so I don't understand why, you know, if Dana White, the, if the dude up top himself isn't going to get him be back, then why is everybody else trying to? Yeah, and like, like they post it, like, as if, like, we're supposed to be so heartbroken. Like, I, like, <laughs> he's just, like, 
He's a retired let, yeah, fighter. Like, I, why, just let him live. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, you don't... Like, imagine, like, if on the news, like, people were talking about, like, Pat Riley all the time, like, who's, a, like, a retired yeah. coach. Like, if, like, every little move that he made was analyzed. Like, nobody cares. Like, <laughs> it's just... I don't... I don't know. Like, it doesn't phase me that much. Like, I love him as a fighter. And, like, he's a great coach, too. But, like, yeah. it's not, like, groundbreaking news yeah. if the guy doesn't, like, want to coach anymore. Like, can we just let the dude let live his life? It's like, Jesus Christ. Like, I don't get it, dude. But back to Umar, though, because obviously I don't want to take away from his great win. He, I think he's already in the top 15. I'm going to look it up now. But we were talking about ceilings before with Dan Ige. I think this dude has yeah, champion as his ceiling. <laughs> he is insane, dude. Now he's... He is number 11 at the time of this recording. He might go up a tiny bit. Not sure, because Barcelos is obviously unranked, and he said he took that fight because no one wants to fight him. I remember, I think he was uh, talking shit about, like, Ricky Simone. I'm not 100% sure if that, like, if I saw that right. I'm pretty sure I did. And I think the funny thing, he was, like, he was making fun of Ricky Simone and stuff, and he was saying, like, yeah, he's, like, holding up the spot at number eight, number eight. Yeah. And then Song Dong sent out a tweet. He's like, actually, I'm number eight, man. I'm so, like, sorry. <laughs> sorry, dude. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> but good response, too. Like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm sorry, dude. I'm holding your spot, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think that he has, like, a crazy good future. And, like, it just speaks to how stacked 135 is, man. It's just one to like 30 is stacked and you know obviously the rankings only go up to 15 but still there's just so many good fighters in that division and barcelos is a tough opponent man he's got a good record he's beating good guys and to knock him so out like that i saw some this is for this is talking about lightweight but it would be pretty interesting if like you know if we thought if we talked about it more and it did like in a way apply to other divisions but i forget who the quote was from directly but it was talking about how like the top, you know, the top guys at lightweight, they're really only just fighting each other. Oh, that was uh, Benil Dariush. He said yeah, that. he said that Poirier should just retire. <laughs> I thought that was great. He said kindly, if he's not gonna fight anybody below him, he, he should just quit. Like, <laughs> and then Dustin Poirier was like, "I'll send you some free hot sauce." <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, like you know, it's like it's it's kind of like I don't know what I don't know what that like phenomenon would be like why you know why lightweight just only of all the divisions i guess like you know why is that the case i don't i don't know if that's you know benil because like i mean i like you gotta like you gotta like you know have like sympathy for benil dory usually he's a guy that like you know like should already have had his title shot yeah it's crazy (laughs) it's really crazy i i don't yeah i don't know like um because obviously no one's obviously nobody's gonna want to fight Umar Namagomedov either, but you know, hey, like People this is a guy. Yeah, this is a guy. He's gonna get into the top five one way or another. And the but, UFC is gonna push. Yeah, him, oh, he's I got that so last too. name. Yeah, dude. that's right. But that's also kind of like you know, like you should. Like, it's a guy you should push anyways. It's like you know, just because his last name is Namagomedov, like you know, I think that's dumb. But yeah, he's know. that good though. Like he yeah, deserves exactly. the hype. That's exactly. for sure. He's not just a hype train. Because the guys that he's beaten are pretty damn so good. So it's good, but it also makes me questions like, you know, there's a guy that should be fast tracked anyways. Like, if he was, a, you know, if he wasn't in Amaga Medov, like, would he be on the fast track or whatever? Wouldn't, but, wouldn't you want to see a fight between like him and Marab? Yeah, that'd be kind of crazy. Because if Marab's not gonna fight for the title and Aljamain's champion, then what the fuck are we doing? Is he just gonna sit on the shelf? Because Marab's pretty. Marab's one of those guys who's earned a title shot. Like, he's gotten there. Like, I think that win with Aldo pretty much, like, almost sealed it. So, 
I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens with Umar from here. Yeah. I don't know what prelims you wanted to talk about, but I only had like two in particular that I was really going to mention. It was just the last two. But... Yeah, we can talk about them. I right. saw them, yeah. Yeah, well, honestly, the only really fight I wanted to talk about was Javid Basharat's with uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. I more yeah. want to talk about the post-fight press conference. I don't know if you ended up seeing that. But anyway. I didn't see that though. No. Oh, dude, he. Well, I guess we'll start with this because it's probably quicker than talking about Javid. But um, Abdul Razak Al Hassan, he's fought uh, Joaquin Buckley before, and he pretty much just went on like a five-minute tirade, calling him every curse word under the sun, and basically calling him a bitch about probably a hundred times, and said that like they should rematch in the cage. He wants it, and like they better make this fight because he wants to kick his ass. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> tell him how you feel, dude. I agree. Hey, man, like I, you know, I say this all the time. You got so little time to really like talk about what you want next. And so many people are like, well, let Mick and Sean decide for me. Yeah. It's the stupidest answer I've ever heard. And like, I get that, you know, after a fight, maybe it's kind of hard to think about like your next opponent. But man, he had his next opponent ready. <laughs> he knew he had to know long before he went in there. He called him out with some passion, dude. You got to definitely watch that video at some point. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, just go on Instagram on like MMA fighting or something and just watch the, just the tirade that this guy goes on about Joaquin Buckley. And like, I even said on Instagram, like, tell him how you feel, dude. Like, let's go. I'm here. Like, I'm here for it. I don't care what happened in the first fight, dude. Just because of that, I want to see it. <laughs> I'm in. So I hope he gets that. But then to the only other fight I really wanted to talk about in the UFC card was uh, Javid Basharat. It was a guy I'm very high on. Oh, this was a, yeah, this was probably, I Good mean, fight. yeah, like, this was, you know, I credit to, to Ige, but like this would probably be my performance of the night, honestly. Fair enough. I think this one honestly could take the cake as like fight of the night because like it was a pretty yeah, fun one. Too. But like also at the same time, like, you know, it. I think it was just one of those fights that, you know, wasn't as close as it looked like. True. But. You know, honestly, you know, I talked about how, like, this is a pretty good, like, a really good striking display from, you know, uh, this card. It's more like, it's a pretty, like, one-sided card, too, outside of the Pennington and Vieira fight. Yeah, but, I didn't really have any faith in many underdogs in this fight. I bet on Jimmy Flick, that fucking failed me. <laughs> he got knocked the fuck out. For, I, how, how nice was that, dude? I was at work, and I'm like, I was, obviously I couldn't watch it, so I was just trying to look at my phone. How awesome was it when I just got a notification that the guy that I put money on just got knocked the fuck out in the first round? I was like, that's nice. Good way to start the year. So, <laughs> I thought, dude, I think Jimmy Flick's a good fighter. It's, I guess he hasn't fought in a minute, so I guess maybe that could be why. And also, Charles, I think it's Charles Johnson. He's pretty good, too, so sucks, whatever. But in terms of this fight, like, you know, like you were saying, like, there's not, it seemed like there were a lot of one sided ones, and I thought that, like, uh, Mateus, I think it's Mendonca. Yeah, right. he uh, he had like a pretty nice first round, but after that it was kind of going downhill. Like Javid was just out MMA and him pretty much, just beating him everywhere. And um, who did he call out? He called out someone good, and I wanted to see it. Crap, Chris Gutierrez, the guy who just knocked out Frankie Edgar. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a lump in my throat, but uh. I think that that fight would be really good because just the striking, like you were just talking about the striking on this card. Imagine the striking in that fight with Basharat versus Gutierrez. Like, I would definitely be down to see that. And, like, is I'm pretty sure Gutierrez, yeah, he, Gutierrez is ranked number 12. And 
I think that Basharat has earned the shot of like a rank a ranked opponent. I mean, he's taken tough fights and he's passing every test, and he's undefeated. Like the guy he was fighting was undefeated yeah. too, mind you. So I think that he's earned a shot at some of these guys in the top fifteen. And I think he's going to be a problem at uh, one thirty five for pretty long time. Like I have a lot of faith in him, dude. He's got grit. And a lot of talent. Really technically sound, yeah. Very much so. I think he also trains in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, I guess with that, the only other thing I really wanted to talk about, I kind of wanted to like skim through one a little bit because one championship had uh, a couple of good fights. Obviously, first, I kind of want to start out with this because I don't... We might have talked about it like once. I'm not 100% sure, though. But Victoria Lee, that just... like They had a moment of silence for her during that card. And I think she's 18 years old. Like That's just... That just sucks, dude. Mm. I hate hearing things like that. And obviously, for people who don't know, she's the sister of uh, Angela and Christian Lee, who are two of one's biggest stars. So, just kind of sucks, dude. You don't want to hear nothing like that. But uh, obviously, to the fights though, there were some good ones. I'm a big fan of Gary Tonin, as you know, and he had a nice Kimura over Johnny Nunez. I like that a lot. Didn't even know he was fighting, probably because one championship posts about twenty one thousand posts every single day. But um. That was a pretty good win by him. Mikey Musameshi just destroyed his opponent's knee. I can't imagine that that guy's walking right now. So that was pretty crazy. And we've talked about Rod Tang on this show a couple times now, and he had a fun performance doing crazy shit that he's always doing, dude. I'm a big fan of him. He's probably my – honestly, if I had to pick, like, dude, who I'd, my favorite fighter in one is, it's probably Rod Tang. I'd say he's, like, you know, I guess if it wasn't for – Demetrius Johnson, like, Rotang would be, like, the face of one. I think, because even, like, uh, like outside, I think even, like, I feel like even outside fans that don't really keep up with the promotion, like, they know this guy's name and they know, like, what he's capable of. He's just a there. bad motherfucker, dude. I'm yeah. a big fan of, of Rod Tang. I'm, he's one of my favorites. And, like, I wish I, like I said, I wish one would do a better job at, like, not burying like their cards as much by like posting 900 reels every day on Instagram. I don't know if it's any better on Twitter. Maybe you got to get back to me on that one. I don't know if you ever really looked, but if it is definitely keep me posted on it because I like one championship. But uh, even besides that though, one last fight that I really wanted to talk about just a little bit, not really about the fight itself, but just like really the state of like women's MMA, but like stamp Fairtex and uh, Anna's Supergirl, I want to say Jurunsak. Um, it was one of those like mixed rules ones with uh, it was MMA and Muay Thai, yeah. and it was awesome. It was a great fight. Like it was a legit war. Uh, pretty sure Stamp won by uh, I don't remember if it was split or unanimous decision, but I'm pretty sure she won. And um, I just I don't know. Like my first thought when I saw like the highlights and stuff of this fight was just like, dude, the UFC has like some pretty good women's fights and stuff, but like. One championship is right up there, dude. Yeah. They have a lot of great women fighters. You know, it's more just like moments and stuff, but like the entirety of the fight itself is like kind of gets thrown to the wayside. It's the moments that get remembered, but one like you're getting like the whole entire fight like it's, it's a moment. Like, yeah, it's, a, it's something that you don't want to take your eyes off of. I mean, even compare it to the Pennington Vieira fight, dude. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like. I think the one championship women's fight was definitely a lot crazier than the UFC one. And, like, I get it. Like, it's a fight. Sometimes you just got to win in any way you can. And I'm not trying to disrespect any of them. So, I just think that that yeah, was, like, an amazing like, showcase yeah. for women's MMA, honestly. At, I, yeah. I cool. At the same time, like, you know, you want to you com- you compete for those bonuses. 
So, you know, like, yeah, like getting your hand raised is the most important thing, but yeah, like like guys are, you know, guys are competing for bonuses too. Like, you know, they want, they want, they want to be like the absolute breadwinner at the end of the night. So, um, I mean, yeah, like, I don't know. It's, it is interesting. I would say that. Yeah. I I honestly hope one championship like keeps rising and keeps rising because they're already huge in Asia. And like, I saw too, that the PFL is actually like, they had like a decent amount of viewers on like their thing too. Like with the pay-per-view and just like their shows in general, like the UFC, I think had like, I wish I could find the stat, but like one, one championship, they didn't even really know for them. And I'm like, I think one championship might be right up there with the UFC in terms of their total viewership. Just because, like, the U.S. the U.S. market is definitely dominated by the UFC, but people don't understand. Like, in Asia, one championship is fucking huge. So, and they have, like, a different respect for the sport over in those countries. Like, it's a lot different than it is here in the U.S. So, I think they're a great promotion. And, honestly, I just want to keep up with them more, but it's just impossible with all the yeah. things that they post. I just have to, I would have to go on their page every day and just see if, like, what cards are when. So maybe I just had to do that and just maybe try and wake up one morning or stay up late one night and watch it. So, but anyway, next week is the light heavyweight championship, Glover Teixeira versus uh, Sweet Dreams, Jamal Hill. And I like that fight a lot. I'm still kind of torn on who I think is going to win it. I'm probably going to watch like some, uh, some tape this week and really kind of formulate my opinion and maybe talk about it on like the Instagram or something. But that's going to be a really good fight. And obviously with the flyweight title fight too, fourth fight between well, Moreno and Figgy. Well, Jamal Hill, you know, how many five-round fights has he been in to this point? See, I've, I do agree with you there, but at the same time, I think that if he hits Glover Teixeira with an uppercut in the first round, it's over. That, <laughs> yeah, that is very, it really is true. It, it's it one of those very much be like a tale of two stories with that fight. So. Yeah. I think it's either going to be a Jamal Hill knockout or... Glover to share a beatdown. <laughs> like, I don't know if this one's gonna be a war. Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't know. I th- I think I think Glover will be ready for the for the challenge. Especially just coming off a training camp too for a title fight. I think I mean, it definitely yeah, suits him. Yeah. Also, like, I mean, what are the odds for this for this fight? If you want uh, to pull them off real quick. Yeah, I'll look that up. I would imagine. I, I was looking before. I honestly should have remembered it. Let's see odds. Because I think with this one is just whoever's at plus money is like a good bet. It's a valid point. Hmm. Glover's an underdog. I'm actually kind of shocked by oh, that. I figured Glover would be the favorite. That might be that's something. What I think. Yeah, that's, that's on DraftKings, by the way. I don't know about the other sports yeah. folks. I can go on like Odd Shark or something and figure that out maybe real quick. Let's see if it's like any different for the other promotions. Or other, other promotions. Other betting apps. All right. That's weird. Can't go on that. Computer just kind of glitched out there. That was kind of weird. But... That's just crazy, though, that he's, like, a favorite on all these different... I'm trying to see if it really varies, but it doesn't. The closest that some of them really are is, like, a pick em. So, if you want to do that, definitely not a bad bet to bet Glover Teixeira on this one. So, I don't yeah. know. I definitely agree with you there, at least, in like, from the betting perspective. I'd have to watch, like, their fights again, like I said, and kind of get a better idea of it. For me, it's, like, the only reason why I don't say, like, Glover by murder is because, like... I've seen Glover like duck his head and get hit by some nasty uppercuts in my life. Especially you think of like, you know, Anthony Johnson, rest in peace. He he hit Glover with one of the nastiest uppercuts I think I've ever seen. 
and he slapped them in like 13 oh, yeah. seconds. Yeah, I and remember. That. I actually, yeah, I remember seeing this now. Jamal's got that power, dude. Like that's the part that scares me with it. But from a betting perspective, I really do agree with you. I mean, Even from yeah. a fight perspective, well, I think you Glover know, honestly, could do it. who who doesn't have you know that explosiveness and power at 205? Honestly, yeah, that's not my point. My point is that Glover leaves his head in positions to get hit by that power. Like it oh. doesn't matter if you're not getting hit. But, like, you even think of the Yuri fight. He was getting, like, knocked around in that one. Like, it's just against a guy who hits that hard, that's not a spot you really want to be in. But at the same time, like I said, I kind of see, like, the other side of it. And I almost lean that way, too. Like, with Glover just kind of, like, being able to take him down and beat him up. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I haven't really seen Jamal fight a guy like Glover. So that's why I'm, like, really intrigued by it. Because, like I said, this could end really quickly. Or it could be uh, Glover to share a beatdown over the course of, four to five rounds so i'm intrigued for it anyway this is this is going to be like a really good card and i can't wait to talk about it next week man and obviously next week we'll have probably another training update next video on that will probably be like in february but um in general i don't know if there's anything else you want to add before we sign off here but oh uh, yeah you've been drinking but your dude, secret juice yeah dude this stuff this stuff hits this stuff hits <laughs> the spot yeah man i bet it does yeah, but. dude. Sorry, sorry, you guys. Will you know? We can't let you run on the the inside scoop of it all. What it actually is and all that. Um, that's yeah. Paul. That's Paul Costas thing. But yeah, only real ones now. Yeah. <laughs>